Hello, fellow iFriends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Appleosophy Weekly. This week, it's iPhone 13 leaks galore. Join us to hear what's new for iPhone this year, according to renowned leaker Ming-Chi Kuo. Apple is holding hostage the Apple idea of a man that forgot to make his Apple Card payments. And also ahead, we have an in-depth look at the new kill switch built into the latest software update for Macs with Apple Silicon. All that and more. But first, let's get ready to unwrap the tech of today with my two guests, Mr. Holden Satterwhite and Kevin Belcor. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you. I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm vertical. That's a step up. I got out of bed this morning. That's every day's every day's a good day when you're in quarantine, Holden. That's good. It's been a hectic morning. I'm actually recording this episode in the car. I'll go into details on Twitter about that. <laughs> it was a last. Yeah, minute. stay tuned for updates <laughs> on Holden's Twitter. Oh my so, goodness! So, Holden, give us a little bit about you and what you've been up to. Maybe a little bit of history background for Appleosophy. Sure, I'll love to. The so, elevator pitch. If you don't know me, so I'm the chief executive at Appleosophy Media. Um, I found we found it. I found the Appleosophy around early 2015. It was between December and January, uh, the end of 2015, 2016. But basically, I, I oversee the whole entire company and subsidiary companies such as TechPod Social, which is a social media management company, and obviously Appleosophy, which is um, latest Apple news and rumors. So to give some more history of Appleosophy, we started initially on in, we started on Instagram. Then we're just called Apple and Rumors, okay? It was just called, and for short, we called it ATNR. And then there's someone named Jackson. He's from Spectrum. Spectrum? What's the name? Is it Spectrum Core? Spectrum Hub? Talking about it was, yeah, Spectrum Report. Spectrum yeah. Report. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They keep painting the name. And I, get, I get all screwed up. Um, <laughs> he, he actually introduced me to the Telegram community on the Apple community on Telegram. And that's how I found all these people who are have the same passion as me. What's interesting about this, Holden, is is that Appleosophy started out as an Instagram account, right? Where you were just posting tech news day to day, chiefly Correct. Apple. Uh, and then you started networking. You started using Telegram, Instagram, and and now this is a this is a global organization. You're working with people from all over the world, uh, myself included. Correct. Um, to to have this website up and running, we're writing articles every day. There's a whole podcast network all in order, and it's kind of uh, uh, humble beginnings, right? Yes, sir. I'm 17 right now, but I started Appleosophy when I was around 13, and I was still in middle school, which is kind of crazy. Um, thinking back at yeah, it, yeah, you started I Appleosophy that, before I you had day... an hair on your chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy going back on it, but it's 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 a good example of you know when you really set your priorities straight and you you. You have a focused vision for what you want your empire to look like. Exactly. You can you can really make leaps and bounds when it comes to progress. And and Kevin, you would know something about that, right? Because I do. You, yeah, you're an agency owner, travel advisor, uh, particularly with Melkor Jets, a dream vacation traveling agency franchise. You're authorized Disney vacation planner with Disney travel agents or dream vacations. Uh, Savers Pick, a fulfillment store by Amazon. Uh, inventory and operations manager, and also a television and film producer. Oh, wow. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I, as you can see, I have a lot of hats I wear outside of <laughs> things I do extracurricular. 
And it's very exciting because with travel, I'm able to travel anywhere I want to go. And on top of that, I've been in this industry with travel for about, I would say, pushing almost five. And I've seen the ups and downs in the last five years, including this one, which is what we're, what we're going through. As the you know, the travel, <laughs> correct, correct. And as you know, the travel industry is kind of a little down right now, uh, but it is slowly picking up because there's so much pent up demand that I see it bouncing and getting stronger than it was than it, since 9-11. It's going to be much more stronger wow. than 9-11. I, I, I do foresee it because there's so much pent up demand. You're going to hear that term quite a bit from travel advisors like myself and in the travel industry. As far as that bold claim, it is, it is. And I just recently released on my YouTube about on the Meltra Judge Dream Vacations YouTube, as well as my Instagram and Facebook, that I'm pushing for tourism to come back to Anaheim because there's so much business that was lost in the city of Anaheim. And obviously, as you know, the biggest theme park is Disneyland. That's the biggest business of them all. And as soon as Disneyland reopens, I always have this saying, when Disneyland opens up, the whole country, even the whole world opens up. It really is that domino effect, huh? Correct, correct. Disney just and has a gravitational pull. They do. And I don't know why, why it is, but it is. And it, also with the Amazon business, what I do with the Amazon business, with Savers Pick, I started at while when it was at its peak, basically when fulfillment business was at its peak. And I started that back in 2017 with my parents. And so far, we've been grossing over $120,000 a year. And wow. it, it just, yeah, and last year was our biggest because people obviously since the pandemic, we've been seeing a lot more business because people are going on Amazon shopping. And as you can see, if you go down the freeway, wherever you go, you see the, you see the fulfillment trucks. We call them fulfillment trucks, but they're actually prime trucks. They're actually yeah, delivering. Um, trucks. You see the, the gray trucks with the prime logo on the side. Yeah. Correct. Correct. When I went down the five freeway or even the I-10 freeway, I, didn't, I saw more than 10, 20 trucks. And that is how much business Amazon fulfillment has been generating. They're, they're not a trillion dollar company for nothing. And that's all because, and not just because of what Savers Pick contributes, it's for every seller that contributes to the whole entire commerce. We're getting commerce back in, the, in a more e-commerce way. And on top of that, with Wenin, I have a lot to tell you about Wenin. Seriously. It, yeah i kind of want to segue on over to that so you have you're you're the executive producer and creator of this travel documentary it's called when in it's a series it's set to release soon we're on this summer we're hearing and my understanding is you've filmed a portion of this documentary on your iphone i'd love to hear about that because you know at the end of the day we are a philosophy and these products play a, a, a huge role in our lives i want to hear a lot about that yeah, so with this iPhone went in deal, you have to excuse me because there's like a helicopter flying over me. There's he's traveling. <laughs> he is, he is. <laughs> with 
so the Wenan series, I start, I filmed it all with the iPhone. When I first started, it was the iPhone X Max. And I took advantage of the camera because of the, obviously the one thing that pushes me to get this, to get the iPhone is the camera itself. Hands down, I've tried every camera phone out there. The iPhone is always the best, in my opinion. It's the best in class, yeah. It is the best in class. And with the 1080p and 4K deal. So I, when I took, I've been, I filmed Thailand, which is, our, which is gonna be our first episode in our series. Wow. I, I filmed it thoroughly when I was in Bangkok and in Pattaya City. We didn't go as much to Thailand as far as going to the mountain area, the mountainous area, which is Chiang Mai, or to uh, Phuket, which is the western part of Thailand. When I did the when I did the filming, it was strictly focusing on the sights and sounds and the food and the activities wow. I did in Thailand. Obviously, you're going to see my my girlfriend in the show, so she'll she'll play a cameo in there. And cool, but you, I honestly, with the whole when it went in series, it took about four years of content, almost five, to generate everything all on my iPhone. Obviously, what the late the latest travel before COVID happened was when I went to Japan and the Philippines. That was shot on an iPhone 10x Max, and trust me, my iPhone 10x Max has been traveling with me. Oh, I, if you had to count the miles, I would say over. Five to ten thousand miles with me. That's spectacular. Yes, and you and always you think about yeah. You think about the things that were introduced that year, like stereo recording, um, you know, four K. It's just a ballway. Yes. yes, it is. And when the iPhone XX Max was released, I said that's the phone I want. Obviously, I had generations of iPhones before the XX Max, which was. Yeah. The, iPhone 6, the iPhone 4, when FaceTime came about. But when the iPhone 10X Max came, I was looking more towards on the camera and the storage capacity versus the network of it, you know, the, the network chip that's in the iPhone. Because that will, because yeah. it, it was, this is, for those who are listening, this is pre 5G chip in there. And now that I have the iPhone 12X, all Pro Max, the sky's the limit now. And I can now film wherever I go and data spewing into the cloud easily. With the 10X Max, to give you an idea, when I, when I shot it, when I shot most of the footage in Thailand and everywhere, I was relying on, when you're traveling internationally, you're trying to look for, yes, the best internet connection, which is Wi-Fi. And yeah, I had a hot sure. I had the hotspot. But with that, I was like, oh gosh, it took just to upload footage like 500 to a gig of, well, 500 megabytes to a gig or even a terabyte took like a whole entire day to upload into the cloud. I can imagine. We've seen all these commercials and things of the whole shot on iPhone. Uh, you know, marketing ploy and things like that. But this is this is truly, I, I'm sure it's one of those things where if you hadn't told the production team that you shot this on an iPhone, I mean, they would be blown away once they heard it for the first time. 
Oh, trust me. When they would be so blown away because Apple did a very good job on, on the marketing of that because they really marketed to, when I saw the last keynote about how filmmakers are using the iPhone to its advantage, especially the camera. Yes, with the iPhone was, 12. Yeah, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if nobody jumps on this, if no filmmaker jumps on this, they're going to miss the boat. Because if yeah, you think they're about, already behind the eight ball. Exactly. If you think about it, I, you're taking a HDL, an HD, well, DSLR camera, an HDR camera, which is normally twelve to fifteen thousand dollars, and you're holding in your pocket for like fourteen hundred dollars, and right in the palm of that's your hand. That's the thing, and you're you're making this, and and that's that's the top of the line model. You know, Correct. just the regular Pro, which starts at nine hundred ninety nine, a thousand bucks. You're putting, like you said, this fifteen thousand dollar camera hardware in the hands of so many more people. When you think about the young and aspiring filmmakers out there, the people that want to do what you want to do, Kevin, it's it's phenomenal. It is, and I'll tell you something because me being an associate, I was an associate producer for a featured film that's on Amazon Prime called Syndicate Smasher. The amount of equipment that we brought, I would tell you, is about worth $20,000 tops. And just imagine the, when you're on travel, especially what I do, you don't, you don't want to carry $20,000 worth of equipment when you're traveling to, like, Thailand. Of course, and yeah. So you have to check it in. You have to claim it. With, your, with the iPhone it shrinks that price down. It shrinks your bottom line, period. That's why I say those, those who shoot an iPhone, go to the full max with it because you're going to get the best quality. I've never seen a film shot in a iPhone, but I've seen commercials. I've seen YouTube videos. I've seen content. I would love to talk to those filmmakers. Yeah, we, we have short films out there shot like Spike Jones did one. Uh, entirely right. with an iPhone 10 and it was just a blow away. Correct. When you talk about replacing $20,000 worth of equipment with an iPhone and still being able to produce a level of footage that you're, you're pleased with. That's amazing. When you, you, you analyze the, the risk minimization that goes along with that, because on top of that, not only is iPhone the device that's always with you, but it's also waterproof. It's also incredibly resilient when it comes to the elements and things like that when you're traveling. Of course. So, but, but no, that's, that's like we were talking about, Kevin. It's having, you know, an iPhone, which even if you buy the top of the line, okay, it's, you know, a $1,300, $1,400 piece of equipment that's replacing fifteen yeah. dollars $20,000 of equipment. It's incredibly resilient, resistant to the elements, things like waterproofing, shadow resistance. And the fact that it's always with you, it's, it's not hard to lose. It's one of those things where, you know, if you damage your camera equipment, it, it, that can be devastating, when, especially when you're abroad. Yes. And that is something that you want to, I always say that, is this iPhone going to be weather resistant? Is it going to be resistant enough when it's raining? Or is it going to be resistant when it's like 110 degrees? Because those are conditions, exactly. these are conditions that as filmmakers like myself, 
when we use an iPhone, they have to go through rigorous te testing can they, or rigorous weather. And if not, then we're not going to use it. Then we'll just go back to the ten to $15,000 right. equipment that we have. So Holden, what is your reaction to this? I mean, I, I know you're still hanging on to the iPhone 11, which has a phenomenal camera. What was the iPhone that really changed it all for you when you started saying to yourself, wow, this camera So honestly, good. so the, the phone I had before an iPhone 11 was the iPhone 6S in the, four, in the phone before that, iPhone 6. So going from an iPhone 6S to an iPhone 11 was a huge upgrade for me. But the big change for me Definitely. was ultra wide lenses. Like that, that changed it for me. And just in the quality in general, I that definitely changed it a lot for me. And I was going back to my old photos too. Um, I, vi I visited Norway back in 2017 and I shot printed photos of when I was in Norway. So I shot those pictures with an iPhone 6 and um, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating how much the cameras have changed in the past couple of years. They keep getting better and better. In terms of the film industry, as we, these cameras are getting like so much better, we're just we're gonna probably start seeing a lot more filmmakers and and producers start using more and more iPhones. Um, like you like you said, the iPhone. Um, some filmmakers and small filmmakers use those to shoot films. Just the technology gets like better and better, and it's it's very high level. Definitely, you know, Kevin. I want to ask you, how important or do you value video photography more than just photography, just still photos? Because we've talked about how game-changing things like recording in Dolby Vision, 4K Dolby Vision have been with, with this year's iPhone, with the iPhone 12 Pro Max. But how important is something like just taking photos, just regular photography? Do you, do you feature that in the documentary at all? Great question. So I primarily focus more on the video end. When it comes to the pictorial side of it, the picture side of filming, I only do it for... I will only take pictures if I'm posting it on my Instagram or from my Facebook for my travel agency. And okay, obviously because pictures tell a thousand words, just like video adds much more words to it. But if you had, if you had to say to me, if you had to ask me over again, what do you choose? I'm going to choose video because video gives more, more leverage because of the motions of it. And you see people, only because of the camera, the lenses, and I'll echo off to Holden on that. Apple did a very great, good job on the, the lens part of it. When it comes to choosing, again, I'll choose the video over the pictures. But the pictures only works if I'm doing more still photography on areas that would be posting on my Instagram, my Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, that's interesting. So just the ability, and this is kind of maintaining been something that's been maintained by the iPhone for quite some time. You're you're happy with the photos that you're taking and oh, to use them on your website, oh, to use them on your social media. Oh, hands down. Obviously, I'll go ahead and use the the pictures and I'll take the pictures that I post and go into Adobe uh, Spark, which is an app that you can find on the App Store, and I'll take it and form it into into something that's going to be that's going to tell a message that's going to sell travel that's going to scream travel and the pictures i take obviously i'll i'll enhance them in instagram because instagram has a feature where you could enhance it a little bit but I'm, the camera on it 
the pictures I take with it, I'll be ha- I'm, I'll be happy with it because pictures do tell a story. Well, I think that's so cool because you, your your whole workflow for that it sounds like is on the phone. Correct. So it's shooting and editing directly on the phone, and then you're free to post it wherever you want. Well, you can edit your website. So here's so here's or the, spice up your Instagram. Yeah. So the pictures are mostly are done on my phone but when it comes to the video the footage i take especially when the went in series they automatically go to to a desktop computer uh they are edited on adobe premiere because obviously you need the computing power to edit and produce this content that's going to be shown to everybody and whereas the iphone is only used for just yeah you can edit it with adobe vision actually with adobe vision when I found out that Apple was going to have it, I was like, I'm all in. It saves me the time and money to, enha- to enhance and color correct these videos. That's what I was going to ask you. So it's, it does it. That was my main question for you, actually, is does it save time? It does. As far as having, going, having to go in and post and color. It does. Because that, that's game changing in itself. It does. And I'll tell you why. Because just to give in the, you an idea how long it takes to color correct, the number one thing to remember is when you watch videos or film, you always want to color correct. And mm-hmm. for to color correct takes about more than a day or two days or three days, wow. depending on how much it takes longer upwards to, and it costs money for someone to hire a color correct correction. Cause why do you think editors cost much? Wow. Yeah. That's wow. Because three days, yeah, because you have it, and I say that outright, yeah, it does. Because I, when I did the feature film for Syndicate Smasher, the editor and the person who was doing the color correcting, we took about I would say two weeks of footage or longer, even when you have when you do pickup shots and all of that, it takes more than. It takes yeah. more than two weeks just to to do all of that or even less, depending on how, how much money. It comes down to budgeting. And I say it's longer. I say three days because that's a safe zone. I know some filmmakers will say, no, it takes less than that. It, it all comes, to, comes down to your budget. How much are you willing to pay? And if you're going to pay like 5000 6000 or even like if you talk about a $2.5 million budget, film budget, then... You, how much you're going to allocate to color correct that. Whereas with the iPhone 12 Pro Max, with Adobe Vision, you could easily color correct it in a way where enhance it a little bit. You just do minimal, minimal color correcting. Whereas when I have the iPhone. That is, that is so groundbreaking to me that, that it's, it's, it's flipping this industry up on its head and that it's replacing all this equipment. Largely. It is. It is because... When you think about when I shot, went in, obviously when it comes to the footage after looking at it, it I took about a, about a week of footage and just taking a look at one by one, frame by frame, it, it comes down to timing and money and the, how much hardware do you have to color correct this? And with the iPhone, the iPhone 10X Max. When I had it, when I shot it, when I shot Thailand, it was, it really, 
I really didn't have, we didn't have that capability of Dolby Vision or you just literally had to back, back then. then, but now it just saves, again, I'm going to go back to time and money. It saves time and money with having that, having that feature inside the iPhone, iPhone 12 Pro Max. Yeah, cost effectiveness and, and time efficiency. Correct. I love Correct. That. that that's that's why I want to ask you. So let's give give the viewers a little bit of background. We have renowned leaker and Apple analyst Ming Chi Kuo. He's back on the scene. Uh, a site Apple tracked by my buddy Sam Cole. Um, they give him a seventy eight point two percent accuracy rating when it comes to his leaks. Um, so he's pretty accurate. He's saying somewhat accurate he's saying this year's iphone 13 lineup will feature a smaller notch larger batteries 120 hertz display which these are all amazing features but i want to zero in on this one thing he's predicting that this year this sensor shift optimization will extend to the ultra wide lens and i want to break that down a little bit just so our users know what that means i know kevin knows what this means because you were comparing the the, the iPhone Actually, 12 I, to, I, I know a little bit about uh, it but... to a DLS, DSLR. Um, yeah, so basically, we've seen optical image stabilization where the whole the whole lens is able to move around. It kind of uses the the gyroscope to to level off your footage. The sensor shift optimization, not only the lens but the whole camera sensor. Uh, moves in relation to how you're holding the phone along with the gyroscope and everything. And this relates, this, this results in ultra smooth footage. This is a high-end DSLR camera feature. What are your impressions with this feature so far, Kevin? And are you excited that it may be extending to more of the lenses this year? Great question. So with the, what I just said, Ming Chi Kuo, Kuo, yeah. thank you. He, I would say that as, I'll echo off again with Holden as the lenses get smarter or I wouldn't say smarter, but when they get, when they get bigger or they get advanced, that's the word I want to use. When they get more advanced, that's when you're really putting a Canon or a Sony DSLR camera out of business because Sony and Canon, mostly Sony, they pride themselves with that camp, with their DSLR camera when they, when they shoot 4k, even even 8k cameras. And Having a lens like that would, again, save you time and money, especially when you're doing pickup shots or when you're doing drone shots. I forgot to mention that. iPhone is great for drone shots. And think about that, that level of, of how, do, how do I put it? Think about this level of stabilization on, on something like a drone. So you're dynamically switching between uh, what could be your telephoto ultra wide and your wide lens, all three of those lenses. And you have this ultra silky smooth, uh, not only software, but hardware driven uh, optimization, allowing for this, this buttery smooth video that looks like it's, it's on a set on a gyroscope, like a tripod. Think about something like that applied to a drone. You know, we have these drones, like from DGI and things like that with with 4K cameras built in them, but they're nothing compared to what an iPhone could capture. So imagine, you know, looking down from that perspective, high up in the air on on one of the most breakthrough cameras you've ever you've ever seen. Oh yeah. It it is that's why I say like 
for any photographer or any videographer or filmmaker out there would say it has to come down with the with the camera and another thing is also the processing chip for me it's always about the process yes the image processor and yeah you have the lidar technology which is done in other when it comes to augmented reality and all of that and yeah you want to do virtual reality vr but for me it was always about taking the camera with the lens that i have and just document and just and just go with it and well the important the important takeaway with that is things like lidar uh, which we saw implemented this year on iphones the pro line of iphones for iphone 12 the that that leads to things like faster autofocus and conditions correct so you're talking about traveling abroad mm-hmm. busting out your phone and needing to capture something really quickly that's happening that moment that faster autofocus alone is 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 helping you you don't have to no. think about it but it's helping you know, in the background i haven't done much filming on the iphone 12 pro max but based on like the small the small little videos i've been taking it does recognize, I would say with the processor and the LiDAR technology that was implemented, the whole image stabilization and the recognition of people left and right, it to me has made a significant impact of what I know is going to happen. And especially the shots I have to plan or that goes along the script or I know with the ten with the ten X Max, I couldn't do that. Where I know what shots I was going to make, but on top of that, is it going to capture the person from ten feet or twenty feet? Whereas I know with the iPhone 12 Pro Max, it can do that, especially with the double lens. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the chip because I could talk chips all day. But with A14 Bionic this year. You know, we're seeing these leaps and bounds, you know, anybody that was in the industry that knew what they were talking about when it came to silicon, they were telling you that this transition to five nanometer, these smaller chips was was still, you know, a couple years away. But here we have Apple introducing their five nanometer A14. And, you know, it's got 11.8 billion transistors. They're they're really being they're, they're able to leverage so much power. Uh, in its neural engine, 11 trillion operations per second. This is what's happening when you open that camera. And it, it's I believe it. I know, believe it. Just a couple, just a couple years ago, we were measuring the distance between transistors on these chips in microns. In comparison, this year, we're measuring it in atoms. So this, this is, this is a giant leap. Let me ask not only in in it's a scientific so let me ask you this question (laughs) of all the key apple iphone keynotes would you agree this this is not a hypothetical question would you say about 50 to 60 percent of the keynote is always about the camera i i would agree that yeah the camera i I agree too performance i agree i'll say 50 i think those are the top three things and the reason why the camera has been most emphasized is because it people want to take professional photography, even in an amateurish way, there's not a day that goes by where I see a lot of YouTubers, even those who are using Vimeo, they use their iPhone mm-hmm. in a more amateur way. And all of a sudden it goes on TikTok, it goes on, it goes viral. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you trying to put the, the filmmaker out of business here? 
we're trying to produce content. But but the where, the point I'm trying to make there is the impressiveness of the hardware that goes into an actual phone that was supposed to just phone calls and be more of a internet communicator or however it was when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPhone. And I, I love that you're shedding light on that takeaway because when we and we spoke about this last week on the show that we're having this this whole influx of people that identify as the casual pro, the casual professional. It, it really is, you, and we spoke about this earlier as well, you're putting this thousand dollar, you know, architecture, this equipment into the hands of so many more people. You know, it, it kind of excites me, the, the, the casual filmmaker, the student, the, the aspiring cinematographer, that all this technology, while still expensive, is much more accessible than it used to be. And I, I think, that's just it, groundbreaking. It, for the all future. it is when it comes to taking footage on an iPhone is are you able to communicate effectively through the visual lens of this hardware through your own eyes or to whoever? Are you really, it comes down to storytelling as well. And that's where I see with the iPhone is the footage I take, especially with the Wenin series. I wanted to tell a story, not just through my experience, but also showcase and tell a story of a country. And you could easily, you could actually take the footage you take and you could, it could easily be done. You would never think you would never have thought it's, it was done on an iPhone, especially with the new iPhone coming out as rumor, as, as it's rumored to be the iPhone 13. Personally for me, I'm going to wait till the next generation of the iPhone, which to give you an idea how, how often I upgrade my iPhones. I upgrade my iPhones at most five years and minimum two years. Wow. And I'll tell you why. Because the cameras that are on this phone, especially for the 12 Pro Max, will be relevant for the next five years. Because obviously technology changes, yes, but it's still relevant. Because uh, can you imagine... Right now, we're still, everyone's talking about 8K televisions, 4K televisions. We're still shooting. Filmmakers, I'll tell you, I'll give you a hidden secret here. Filmmakers, they don't like shooting at 8K. They won't, not even 4K. They love shooting at 1080p. And because of the... And what would you say the primary compression, Compression. and Compression and encoding. Because it takes a while... It takes longer to encode a, and on top of that, how much, how many megabytes or gigs does it take for an actual video that you take on an iPhone? Why do you think we're seeing almost typically like in terms of like file size? To give you an idea, I would say about 500 megabytes at least, and or a minimum 200. I'm gonna throw a number out there. It's gonna be 200, but I'll give. But for like an actual okay. film, when we did Syndicate Smasher, we on a high DSLR cam- digital, you know, di- DSLR camera, we, we it took about two terabytes worth of footage well, that we took, and that is so. Imagine doing that with on an iPhone. You, and it all comes down to compression. Obviously, it doesn't. That's why you're seeing 
like we're still catching up to 8K, but right now, obviously as filmmakers, we're catching up to 4K still. So that's why like 4K does run out of battery on an iPhone versus on a 1080p. But with 1080p, it's easy to encode and edit with because of the ample time you have to deliver the pro the product, which is the which is the content that you want to bring out. Because it really doesn't even matter how it's being shown on television. Because if you have a 4K television, you're shooting at 1080p, there's not really any difference. When you're watching, obviously, as a, after talking to my other filmmakers in the industry, they, they say, yeah, it, it, you're better off shooting at 1080p than 4K. Yeah, 4K is only just for like a wow factor. Even 8K is just more of another wow factor. That's the honest, the goodness truth. So, well, and that's that's the thing is is we're just now seeing uh, at the consumer level this the market saturation as far as who actually owns Correct. a 4K yes. television, things like that. It's so, and you know, and when you talk about how how much battery just 4K recording in general sucks up on an iPhone. I mean, tell me about it. I know this. What's your opinion as far as what Apple is doing with their video encoding? Because we're seeing, uh, you know, with, with HEVC, oh my God. great compression rates and things like that. W- what does that mean for, uh, for a film? For us, well, for me personally, I'll, I'll vouch for myself here. When you, in, the video comes out to be a .mov, and that is a file format when you... Okay when it's actually being exported out of an iPhone, Adobe Premiere doesn't like .mov files. They love .mp4 files. It's easy to edit. It's easy to edit in my, in my opinion because one, you have less lag because if you think about it, .mov was pretty much more of a quick Apple QuickTime file. And that was just Apple's way of, this is like, our own very version of MPEG-2, so to speak. Okay. So I want you to break this down for, for the yes. viewers so they can understand. It, Apple likes having proprietary file formats Correct. for all of its things. You know, we it for video, photo, we, you know, we're, we're seeing Apple Pro Raw was one of the headline features this year. What, what kind of challenges does that oh, present? It, because, you know, when do you have to end up converting all this footage and then re-encoding everything. I mean, I have some experience with that on my end because certain certain websites, when you go to upload content, don't play well with the iPhone's file formats, and then you have to go and convert it using something like, like Handbrake or Compressor. You do. Uh, you do have to edit the... You do have to convert the file from a .mov to a .mp4 because it's easy to to edit, like I said, it takes a lot of time. And keep in mind, when, for the Wedding series, I have about, golly, I, I can't count, come up, I would say about over 100 to 200 footage files. And this is for Thailand altogether. I'm saying 200 plus because of the footage I took, the hours I took, and think about how much you have to convert that, that takes a lot of time. 
And I feel like with Apple and how they're wheeling and dealing with the .mov, I feel like there has to be some type of flexibility where you can do .mp, where you can have the filmmaker choose .mp4 versus .mov. Because honestly, .mov is just more prepared, is more of a controlled Apple deal than what filmmakers are used to, which is the .mp4. So Ming-Chi Kuo was going a little crazy this week with his, his leak dump, which is what we're calling it. Um, and he, he was talking about some features for the next generation iPhone SE, which will be fun to talk about because it, this 2020s iPhone SE put 4K recording at 60 frames in, in, at a much more affordable uh, price range, the entry price level for an iPhone. He's saying coming in early 22, iPhone SE will come with 5G and processor upgrades, likely the A14 Bionic, because by this time we will have had the A15, which we expect to see with the iPhone 13 this year. And we've seen that be a theme where the iPhone SE will get last year's chip, which is still a phenomenal chip. You, you think about these chips, they're years ahead. What do you think about, just as far as the, the accessibility of, you know, what, what are the domino effects? And this is a question for both of you. I'm going to let Holden go first on this one. What do you think about the domino effects of putting um, 5G and these amazing A14 processor upgrades in such an affordable phone? What does that lead to? Do you, are you going to see more, more audiovisual creators? Are you going to see more programmers, people that are, that are so interested in this, they want to build apps for it? Um, What what do you think, Colin? I think it'll attract, I think everything that you said, um, to be honest with you, I think those markets, in terms of the iPhone, sorry, the iPhone SE, um, the next, the rumor 2022 model have a a lot better battery. It's going to have to run 5G, basically, because I know 5G can use all that. You can use a lot of battery power whatever they put in the phone, it's looking like the A14. Am I correct? That could, that could, help, yeah. that could, help, that could help it run more efficiently yeah, so possibly. Yeah, when you look at something like the A14, right? yeah, with that 5 nanometer architecture, it's incredibly power efficient. Kevin, 5G and A14 Bionic coming to an iPhone that it is at a sub $329 price point, at or below that level. What comes to mind when you hear I that? would say... I would say that, are you ready to experience 5G? Because I know I embrace, <laughs> I am, honestly, I, <laughs> I have embraced 5G earlier. Let me rephrase that. I embraced 5G much earlier than most people have. And I'll tell you why. Because after going to Consumer Electronics Show for the last three, four years already, I heard nothing but 5G. And for me, who's been always on the go, whether I'm doing my Amazon business or filmmaking or even travel, I need the best data on my phone. I need that data chip to be 5G. I need to go gigabit speed. And I'll tell you I why, think, because with, I like, think I really, back, if I want to upload content. So I've, I've seen reports that Verizon's 5G actually slower than their LTE. yeah i agree with holden on that standpoint the carriers so the carriers are slowly catching up to the 5g and i was and it's going to take time but here's the re here's my hunch and why because not everybody has a 5g enabled device it takes a whole you're asking the whole world to convert into a 5g connected device 
And personally, for me, and everybody or some people who have 5G enabled device, they are embracing it. That's why we're not seeing the, the carriers, in my opinion, that haven't fully flipped the switch yet or haven't fully built that the infrastructure until everyone has been converted right. into a 5G device. It's definitely going to take some device. time um, to get adopted throughout the next couple of years. This is, just, this is like the very early stage of the introduction of 5G, I would say, in my opinion. I think what you're saying there, Holden, it, it really captures where this discussion is going. Because, and I want to touch base with you, Kevin. You, my understanding is you're on T-Mobile. Yes, so I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to yeah, when it comes to AT and T and Verizon, it's it's a lot of people are saying it's it's highly overrated. You're you're spoiled when it well, comes to T-Mobile. Is my understanding when you look at. Both coverage well, and, and I'll speeds. give you and I'll give you a reason why I'm spoiled that way because I not only I've been with T-Mobile since since mm-hmm. vo- since the voice stream days since 2002. I yeah, remember that oh, was <laughs> remember that carrier. Uh, <laughs> oh, finally, I was just a little baby. <laughs> uh, but no, the with T-Mobile, they they really came far enough. With, and I think that merger with Sprint helped them a little bit to get to implement 5G. But, it, but it's going to take them time for, sure. for, the, for any carrier to deliver 5G until everyone has a 5G-enabled phone. I can't say that outright more because it's the truth. We may, we may have the passion for 5G, but if nobody's really adopting it now or early, then it it's really going to take a little, it's going to take much longer than as what Holden's saying right. two two years. And I, and I believe that. And with T-Mobile, I do have a story behind that. Then I'll put a period on that is that with T-Mobile, I, when I went to New York's uh, T-Mobile signature store, the number one thing I asked, I said, let me take a look at where is your 5G? Let me take a look at your 5G map. Like, where is 5G right now? Where are you guys starting to deploy it? And believe it or not, the first deployment of 5G in the T-Mobile network, this was back in 2016. This is like pre-5G when 5G became, they said they they were deploying it. Definitely. As test deployments in Kansas, like Midwest, like they were deploying it in Midwest Kansas, like in the middle of nowhere. And Wow. Yeah. So like basically <laughs> they're implementing it more in rural areas. And I was like, okay, so that that tells me it's coming. They said, yeah, it's coming, but it's going to take time. But they this was it's so it's a, correct, it's a, correct. a test market. Correct. Yeah, because obviously if you tested it in a major market like San Francisco mm-hmm. or Los Angeles or New York, there's going to be so much network congestions and it's going to be hard for the carrier to test and deploy something when it's not when it hasn't been properly tested. So they that was the backstory I got when I was speaking with one of the signature store employees at, in New York City in Times Square. Well, I, I want to get into some more leaks and rumors. We have another rumor coming in from the one and only John Prosser of Front Page Tech. Now he has uh, a podcast with my buddy Sam Cole called Genius Bar, and he's he's throwing down some leaks. And uh, he's he's mad accurate. He's almost ninety percent accurate on Apple Track. Uh, if you take a look at his leak accuracy, 
And he's saying that a MagSafe oh, battery pack yes. is coming to the iPhone 12, which, which to me, I mean, I, I heard your reaction right there, Kevin. I'd be over the moon for something like that. On top of this, he's saying there will be a version oh, wow. that will include reverse charging. It's not set in stone yet, mm -hmm. but they're working on it. And they're working on a version that will include reverse charging, meaning you can set your AirPods or anything like that on top of the charger and top those off, charge your AirPods different accessories, things like that. How does this play a role in your workflow? And I have an idea of how you're going to answer this, Kevin, but I want to know. Uh, where do I start from here about the whole MagSafe deal and the battery pack? Uh, do you use MagSafe accessories already, Kevin? Is, do you use the I haven't embraced, like I'll be honest with you, I have not embraced the MagSafe deal only because I'm very old school. Okay. Uh, I'm more of the cable guy. I like, I still, to this day, just like before we got onto here, I just literally went on onto Amazon and bought a $9 fast charging wall adapter for my USB-C lightning cable iPhone deal. And I'm like, if it's taken me that long to embrace on this, I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> So, so you, you're the kind of guy that like you're the kind of guy yeah. that wants to stick to the core. No, because no, this is a perfect time, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, because when I I had the Mo, I have the Mofi charging pad for when I had because obviously the first generation, yeah, the wireless yeah. charging pad. The wireless, and I had pad. that with when I had the iPhone 10x Max. Did I ever use it? No. I'll tell you. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll I never used it because. One, it was a convenience, yes, but I'm more old school in a way where I want my, I want that cable because think about it, when I place my when I place that pad down, I have to get out of my bed, get my iPhone, and it's like nah, because there's like a wall charger there. I'll just plug it in and just get a, a good huge a long cable, and then I'll just use my iPhone from there, you know. <laughs> Well, it's a perfect time for me to mention because we're hearing more reports this week that the iPhone is sticking with lightning port over USB-C for the, quote, foreseeable future. That one's coming from Ming-Chi Kuo as well. He's saying iPhone is going to stick with the lightning port over USB-C. And, of course, we've seen rumors of a portless iPhone that Apple would that's, rather that's go portless than give us USB-C. How long did it take for them to get – how long did Apple reason. take to get to 5G? And I've been screaming for Apple to get to 5G. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh go ahead so i was gonna say that just to clarify that the portless iphone what were you gonna say hold my understanding there's one or two prototypes that um the work on the portless iphone it doesn't mean they're gonna from my understanding of it and with the recent reports my understanding of it it's just a prototype and we don't exactly know it's gonna make found production mm. i can confidently say that apple is definitely testing it and I'm very curious. So for someone like you, Kevin, that's that's hugging tightly onto that core, isn't even ready to embrace wireless charging, what is what are your thoughts when you hear that an iPhone may go? Uh, I would say just like my girlfriend said, <laughs> she's gonna keep her iPhone till it actually dies because she don't she doesn't wanna get rid of that that head that the headphone that yeah, uh, three point five millimeter that headphone jack. Yeah, headphone jack. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll be like her. I don't want to get rid of a feature, a hardware feature that was, that is close dear in my heart. 
What um, about you, Holden? You have the wireless you're, charger you've, for my you've iPhone embraced 11. the wireless um, So I guess you can say I have. And in terms of charging my phone, um, for audio, I AirPods. Um, I love them. Before that, I used to have the, uh, the Beats X, and I I did enjoy those headphones, um, EarPods. Uh, what was also nice about them, it had the W1 chip, so it had like similar features that the AirPods had. And going back, remember, I think I got the I think, I think I got the Beats X for less than fifty bucks on sale. It's it's reasonably, and I think it's worth the money if you find a good deal on it. So I want to zero in. We have another story here, and it's saying Apple may disable Rosetta two on M1 Macs in some regions. So this is according to some code that they found in macOS eleven point three beta beta three. Um, Twitter user Steve Moser found this, and basically, um, for our viewers who aren't familiar, Rosetta 2 is the translation layer that Intel code runs through. That way it can emulate functionality on Apple's ARM chips, their M1 chips. Um, and these, are, these are, are based on a completely different architecture because they're, they're, they're mobile chips, right? So this is this is a reworked version of something like the A14 that you that you would find on a Mac. It has connections for DisplayPort, everything else, etc. It's basically the A14 on steroids and built for the Mac. So what happens is is when you when an app hasn't been updated to run on Apple's own Apple Silicon architecture, it has to run through this Rosetta API, this translation layer. And that allows you to emulate the functionality of these Intel apps on your Apple Silicon-based machine. Now, the third beta of macOS 11.3 has some code hidden in there. In a particular thread, it says it has a message for users. And it says, this is no longer active, but it says Rosetta is no longer available in your region. Applications requiring Rosetta will no longer run. So, so what does that mean? Now, I have a theory on this. I have a theory that there may be a pending lawsuit that Apple's anticipating with, again, this is hidden in the code. This isn't activated. It's just, it's a built-in kill switch to say, you know, whenever, whenever Apple wants to snap its fingers that, you know, that Rosetta may not work, which is, which is scary, right? For people that are, that are purchasing these machines that start at a thousand dollars and above. But my theory is Apple's anticipating something going on with Intel, a lawsuit perhaps, where Apple Apple is utilizing different aspects of the x86 architecture, that execution that's going on with the code, and they're using it to enable uh, apps that haven't been updated for Intel or for Apple Silicon to run on its own proprietary silicon. So they're taking assets that they've obtained from Intel over the years from working with them and they're implementing it into their new, their translation layer, their execution in order. So in the, in, in the end user benefits from being able to use apps that they've been using for the last, you know, several years under the, the Intel architecture, but it, Apple's kind of using unlicensed yeah. Intel resources, right? So when you think about this, Apple says they're going to finish this transition uh, within the next two years, within the next two years, when all computers are Apple Silicon and Apple starts moving away from supporting Intel uh, computers, you know, what happens there? Are they going to be running 
uh, unlicensed Intel APIs on on Mac laptops. And, and if you, if that's the case, yeah. uh, Intel has an upper hand here. So it's kind of scary because I mean I'm someone that's that that purchased an M1, and you know I'm I'm kind of waiting to upgrade. I know this is just a beta, but when it finally launches to the public, I don't think I'm going to upgrade right away because. You know, obviously, I want to run my Intel apps. It's not only basically only the Apple apps and a few handful, like a handful of apps that are spotlighted on the App Store, like graphic design apps like Vectornator, which I love. We had Ralph Theodore here a couple of weeks ago on the show. Other than a few handpicked apps that are spotlighted on the App Store and the built-in Apple apps that come with the computer, everything else is still mainly Intel, not Apple Silicon based. So. I mean, it's scary for someone that spent $2,000 on a computer and I could wake up morning one morning and Apple just decided yeah. to push this kill switch. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I don't, I don't like not having that control over yeah. my device. I know Holden, you're, you're interested in, you were interested in purchasing a Mac mini when you read something like this. I how, think how does so. that make you Honestly, feel? Are you still leaning towards Apple Silicon? What, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, architecture of, uh, processor and chips i'm not 100 percent familiar in that region um i actually been i was I, i've been actually just been i actually know more about it when apple released the m1 max than i did before like with the intel ones um i, I still plan on getting an m1 mac i don't think it's gonna stop me really um i'm I, i'll make it work so you'd be willing to so. to wait well, while all these apps are updated because you have like these apps on the on these apps on the Mac app store, obviously Apple's, this is the way Apple does things. They're going to have a cutoff date where they're going to say, okay, if your Apple, if your app isn't optimized for Apple Silicon by this date, and this is talking years in the future, a year, maybe even. I think developers, Apple may say, Hey, if it's not optimized for our Silicon, you're off the app store. That's fine. I can wait for that. But if you have web developers that aren't doing this that aren't i think they will apps. think about it you know you the waiting around uh, apple a long time for tools labels, that you may never get um, back for example um apple forced developers to enforce that um and looking yeah. it could be something similar how it could be a similar blueprint how they like do that like they'll announce like a date possibly and de- that developers have to have it optimized by or whatever and um if it's past the date it could get kicked or not work like I think it could be something similar, possibly among those lines, but I'm really curious on how Apple will play that, though. Well, I want to ask you this, Kevin. I know you don't have an Apple Silicon Mac, but say you did, you know, you're you're a filmmaker, you're a creator. So you you rely on these plugins, which are, of course, undoubtedly Intel based. There's there's no if, ands, or but about it. It's These are Intel-based yes. plugins that you probably rely on every day um, to to export your footage and encode your foot. I mean, imagine overnight if none of those plugins worked and you have this machine that you paid, you know, two, three thousand dollars for. I mean, what would that <laughs> I'm going like? to say this from the end user like point of it. I'm going to say that if I wake up one day and all of a sudden Apple goes with the silicon chip, I think the number one thing that comes to mind, does it have a good graphics card? Because if the graphics card is embedded in that so-called silicon chip. Yeah, the system on chip. The whole, I would mind, say stay away. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> um, be, uh, honestly, <laughs> I, would, 
I would seriously embrace it in a way where is it going to work properly when it comes to encoding? As filmmakers like myself, we use, we don't use integrated chips. We use dedicated graphics cards. And like, I'll give you an example, like my current computer that I have, I, yeah, I have an Intel processing chip, but outside of it, I have an NVIDIA graphics card that is, that is 32 gigs worth. Mm -hmm. And obviously the bigger machines that I, that my colleagues and use, they use much more than that. But with this, I would think that it, it's harder to embrace on, and I use that word a lot, embrace, because it takes a while for some to to utilize that technology and say, if it doesn't work, we're returning it. If it works, okay, great, we'll keep it. That is why with the with this new chip that's going on, that Apple Silicon, I still have questions, like unanswered questions. How is this going to be for filmmakers? Because obviously, we're because we're going to revert to a dedicated graphics that's card than a integrated graphics card. That's the important takeaway is when you have someone like yourself who relies so heavily on these workflows that, that you've set in place, you know, you, you take changing these things very seriously. You know, one piece is missing and, and there goes your whole workflow here. You know, here goes, Correct. you know, not being able to meet that deadline. So it's you, you rely on these very Correct. robust workflows that you set in place. And I'll tell you something is that when you're when you have a computer, let alone a laptop, whether it's a desktop or a laptop or a notebook in that standpoint, you're going to hear the fans roaring because you're, you, you have, when I turn on Adobe Premiere on my computer, I hear the fans roaring already. Like the fans are going to start roaring like, like a jet engine because it's using so much, because it's using so much power like the applications using so much power, let alone the processor. And that's why I, I don't know if Apple's ready to, I, I don't have the answer to that unless I see it for sure in its full work as an end user. Well, let me tell you this. Not only do I speak from firsthand experience, but I've seen a number of tests online where mm -hmm. we're seeing creative pros of working in, Sure. Uh, in the Adobe suite of apps, and you never hear the fans kick on. In fact, we've seen things like the the MacBook Air, the latest gen MacBook Air with M1, doesn't even require a fan uh, because it's that small five nanometer chip. Uh, it, it benefits from just that standard aluminum will, heat sink, and it's it's enough to get. And it's uh, funny how you mention that because that will convince me more then. to get a MacBook Air or MacBook Pro, or let alone an iPad. Because I know that silicon chip is going to be on an iPad, and which will save me time and money to buy a five, a three to five thousand dollar machine. And personally, for me, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not rooting against it. I'm actually going to support it and hoping that it will succeed further than it was, than it was, than it's anticipated. Um, and. And we'll leave the discussion at that. Before we move forward, let's have a word from our sponsor for today's episode. Our sponsor is Elkson. Today's show is brought to you by the folks over at Elkson. 
Elksa was founded in Canada back in 2018. It's a specialized brand featuring a number of Apple Watch accessories, including its most popular Quattro Series bumper case. It's available in a range of finishes, including black, military green, and storm white. The Quattro Series bumper case is exclusively designed for Apple Watch Series 4, 5, 6, and Apple Watch SE. Some of the standout features include an innovative raised design to protect the screen from accidental bumps and scratches, and a strong unibody casing made of soft-touch, military-grade TPU for robust protection. Even with its snug and secure fit, the Quattro Series remains charger-friendly with precise cutouts for the ceramic back and digital crown. Personally, my favorite feature when it comes to the Quattro Series, because Quattro, they actually sent me one of these Quattro Series bumper cases. Shout out to Elkson for doing so. One of my favorite features mm-hmm. is how good it feels on the wrist. It's, it's this soft-touch TPU rubber, so it feels very soft, even despite being so secure. And uh, best of all, I no longer have to worry about damaging my watch when it's time to hit the gym or get real work done. Unlike competitors, the Quattro series doesn't opt for a cheesy built-in screen protector, which means I don't have to worry about unwanted taps or moisture getting trapped behind the screen. You can get yours today on Amazon for just $11.99. And when you search Elkson, that's E-L-K-S-O-N, again, E-L-K-S-O-N, Elkson, go ahead and search that on Amazon and you'll you'll love this case so much you'll want to buy two. And lucky you, because when you purchase two Quattro Series bumper cases at once, you'll receive 10% off your order for a limited time only. Go ahead on Amazon, search Elkson, and look for the Quattro Series bumper case. I'm loving mine. It feels great on the wrist. And for our last story of the day, it's this week in What the Mac. This week in What the Mac, we had a man whose Apple ID was held hostage when his Apple card payment fails. Now, this is the story. I'm going to break it down. According to him. This is, this is, he's a designer and investor. Uh, his name's Dustin Curtis. Okay. He, he initially, he didn't have any idea what was going on, but here's, here's how he breaks it down in his blog post. Here's what happened. He buys a new MacBook Pro, an M1 MacBook Pro from Apple.com. At checkout, he selects the offer to trade in his old MacBook Pro. Then he paid the balance on his Apple card. So he did the trade-in, paid the balance Apple card. He was told he would receive packaging from the old machine mm. and have two weeks to return it. Well, this packaging never arrived, and he, quote, forgot about it, okay? Apple emailed him to chase the return of the machine, and he replied that he was still awaiting the packaging. So this email bounced, meaning Apple didn't get the reply, and they tried to charge his Apple card for the balance for the computer that he did not return. So now this this failed because he had forgotten to update his auto pay for his new bank account. So the Apple card payment didn't go through. Then he wakes up and his Apple ID stops working. He can't access the store. He can't access Apple Music, any of that. Now, here's the here's a little snapshot of the email that he got from Apple. It says, quote, we've been unable to collect full payment for your new iPhone, which is a typo. It was a Mac. So this email is all weird. It says, as a result, we will block the device on the order from further access to the Apple iTunes and Mac app stores and disable all accounts associated with the device purchased on that order. What, what, what was your opinion on that statement, Holen? Because you already, you already brought it up. So here's Apple's full statement. It says, quote, we apologize for any con- confusion or inconvenience we may have caused for this customer. 
The issue in question involved a restriction on the customer's Apple ID that disabled App Store and iTunes purchases and subscription services, excluding iCloud. Okay, so he didn't lose all his photos, but he lost his Apple Music and everything else. It says, Apple provided an instant credit for the purchase of the new MacBook Pro, and as part of the agreement, the customer was to return their current unit to us. No matter what payment method was used, the ability to transact on the associated Apple ID was disabled because Apple could not collect the funds. This is entirely unrelated to Apple Card. So they're specifying, while this isn't related to not being able to make payments on the Apple Card, he simply didn't make the payment, and this this is how it he's could be paying for it. That's, that's kind of crazy, that though. I mean, is he telling the truth? Did he try to pull one over on Apple? Um, is it, yeah, is it just simply a misunderstanding? So, but the, the important takeaway here is it's it's not related to Apple Card. Apple is not going to hold your Apple ID hostage if you don't make your Apple Card payments. But they will if you don't give them their computer that you said you were going to give them. I find it hard to believe that he just, quote, forgot about the emails. That was That's kind of fishy to me. It sounds... What do you guys think? In my opinion, a little fraudulent there. Yeah, a little uh, fraudulent. I, I, and I'll tell you why, because if you're... If you're losing, like, from personally for me, uh, I would say if I lose, if I forget my own password or don't know my email addresses, uh, that's kind of that's kind of rare for me to say that because I know my email addresses. Let alone, I I don't know my passwords, but I know my email addresses. So that to me sounds a little sketchy, let alone fraudulent. Well, he's saying, yeah, he's saying that. That he for flat out uh, was, How do you forget? I, 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 I got a new computer for Apple that I didn't pay for to replace the machine that's sitting in front of me. And yeah, you're, you didn't forget. You wanted to keep it in <laughs> open Apple. I think, <laughs> I think it's so scary for Apple to do that now, thinking about it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't return it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I I'm withholding there, but to add there, I'm just going to leave it at it sounds sketchy. Well, to wrap up the show for today, find me at Twitter, let users know where they can find you. I'm going to start off with Holden. Where can the people find you, Holden? You can also find me on Instagram with the same user. And if you want to send me an email, you can email me at Holden at Appleosophy.com. A-P-P-L-E-O-S-O-P-H-Y. Awesome. Great and question. Kevin, where can the people find you? Where can people find me? You can find me everywhere. Many places. <laughs> Many uh, places. You, can me, you can find me everywhere. No. Uh, you can find me at www.meltrajets.com, M-E-L-C-H-L-R-J-E-T-S.com. That is the Meltra Jets Dream Vacations official website. You could also find me on my Twitter, which I, I'll be like that guy. I forgot my <laughs> own Twitter handle. Uh <laughs> You can find me on my you can find me on my Instagram, which is <laughs> kmelcher1 or mmelcherjetsdv. And for you could also find me nice. on YouTube and Facebook. The best way to connect to most of my social media is to go to melcherjets.com because that's where all of the Melcher Jets Dream Vacations, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube social media and social network is as well as Facebook and yeah, pandemic or not, I think I'll, I'll put this out. Right. I did forget to mention that the camera, the camera settings that I do on my iPhone, 
when I sh when I shoot is 1080p HD at 30 frames per second. And if you're looking at shooting at 4K, 24 megabyte, I'm sorry, 24 frames per second, that's film style, that's 150 megabytes and then 100 at 1080. But like I said, it firstly, and for me, if you're planning to shoot, use the most optimal settings that you can think of that's gonna look great on, on screen. And that is my best recommendation. For me, any filmmaker has their own settings, but I just gave away my own uh, settings that I shoot. <laughs> there you go, yes. <laughs> the secret yes. sauce. Correct. <laughs> that, that's it. The, the secret sauce from that Kevin Melcher, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for joining the show. You can find me on Twitter at my name. That's at Bromshank. That's B-R-A-H-M-S-H-A-N-K. Yes, we did, Go ahead and say hi on Twitter and send in your questions for the show. We used to send in questions, oh. Holden. We need questions from the people. Go ahead and send in questions for the show. Thanks for unwrapping the tech of today with us. It's been a pleasure. See you guys. See you I guys. do have my Twitter handle. At, at H-E-S-A-T-E-R. <laughs> so my Twitter. So my, just, just shout it out. <laughs> it so my Twitter handle is KMelcherMJDV. And then my Instagram <laughs> handle. My Instagram handle, for those who are listening, is, yes, it's KMelcher1. But the other one for Melcher Jets Dream Vacations, it's Melcher Jets DV. Thanks, Kevin.